Hey everybody, welcome back to Inside the Five. It's Stav. It's Will. And it's Griff. And today, we're going to be recapping the wild card. A lot of things happened since the last time we recorded. Some team seasons are over. Some team seasons are just starting, per se, at 0-0 zero and zero or 1-0. and oh. We also have our predictions for the divisional round. There were some upsets in the wild card that set up for some interesting matchups that were unforeseen in the divisional. It's going to be fun, and we're going to wrap things up with college basketball for what the first time this year yeah second time this year yeah we did a preview before that's correct i'm excited for this we're getting back into the swing of things well what do we say let's do it hey everybody welcome back to inside the five we're gonna get things started with some NFL wildcard talk. Now, there were some upsets this week. There were some rescheduling of things that we didn't predict. And there were some favorites that won, some things that we obviously knew were going to happen. Let's get things started with the Saturday first game, 4.30. The Cleveland Browns traveled to Houston to take on the Texans. And I was wrong about this one. I mean, I had Cleveland minus two. I said that should be our ladder challenge. Thank God I didn't because we'd be in the hole right now. However, shout out CJ Shroud, official Stav guy. Um, they dominated this game. This game, I mean, in the first quarter, it was sick. It was like back and forth touchdowns, like exactly what you wanted to see. But after like the halfway through point in the second quarter, it was just all Houston from there on out. Yeah, and even though like – you know, you talk about how early on they, they started. Those first three drives where I want to say Cleveland started with the ball, Houston got a stop, then Cleveland got a stop, then Houston got a stop, and I was like, oh, shit, because in our ladder challenge was the 39-and-a-half over. Mm-hmm. And then from there on, it was smooth sailing. Um, and, you know, C.J. Stroud goes out there. He set some sort of record. I, I know he had three touchdown passes. Um, it's got to be a rookie debut record. Um, Joe Flacco, you know, <clears throat> was forced to throw a lot in this game. And at the end of the day, that Houston defense really came through and looked really, really solid. That's something that we mentioned um, a few times going down the latter stretch of the season um, where if this Houston Texans defense can, you know, perform like this, the, the, it's such a complete team where CJ Stroud is able to do what he can do as a rookie. He, he really looks competent there as a quarterback. They put up 45 points on the Texans. Um, obviously two defensive touchdowns in this game. Um, but a guy that we're looking at now is Nico Collins, where next year with the return of tank Dell, this is going to be the one of our, one of the best wide receiver groups in the league, and now you have C.J. Stroud. Um, it's pretty exciting to see them win a playoff game. They're going to have a very tough matchup next week, um, but it's a great home playoff win and a great first debut for C.J. Stroud. 100%. I mean, we talk about the defense, like you said, and D'Amico Ryan really leading that team and kind of coming in as a first-year head coach and with a rookie quarterback or second-year head coach, right? 
No, this, first year. this is his first year. First. This is his first year. This is his first year head coach and um, with a rookie quarterback and a lot of young guys on this team. And they kind of, I mean, we've heard multiple talks about going into the week and stuff like that of how they've kind of formed together to play as a team and like stay like a tight knit unit. And that defense is just the sole. I mean, even you can go to the offense too. The way that offense is played, obviously they're playing without Tank Dell. And we have people stepping, wide receivers stepping into that role. They have a lot of young guys there that are doing their thing. So. Texans are a very – I would say they're a very good team. I'd say they're going to be scrappy in the playoffs. I know they got a tough matchup, but I would – if I was Baltimore, I would be a little scared because they can put up points. Yeah, no, you said it best. And kind of my, my thought pro- – we'll get to the predictions for the divisional round, but it kind of sucks to see this Houston team not at full strength for the playoffs because, Griff, you said it best. Like, this team's going to be fucking nasty next year. And – they have the receivers to do it. They're defensive-minded. They have some young players on both sides of the ball. I mean, we say this all the time, young, fun, exciting. And th- that's that's what who the Houston Texans are. And shout out them. They literally transformed their entire franchise around in one year. Like, from going from the second pick to now being in the playoffs and winning a playoff game, uh, you, you really can't ask for much more. Probably and, one of the biggest turnarounds we've ever seen. Yeah. I mean – they turned around faster than Cincinnati did. It, I don't think I really have seen a rookie quarterback do what CJ Stroud's done the, thus far, really. He, he's just been dominant. And he has a good opportunity to kind of prove some of the doubters wrong and, and rewrite the script because week one, Baltimore just embarrassed Houston. And they're completely two different teams. So this matchup, the spread doesn't really indicate it. Like We're going to get to that later. <laughs> But this is going to be a good game. I, I, It's going to be a good game. All right. Next. Fraud watch. We said it all along. Dolphins sucked. For, yeah. And I, I hate the narrative about the cold weather. I forgot it was 85 and sunny for Kansas City and negative 20 for Miami. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, uh, the team A, team B. It's crazy because, you know, you can talk about home field advantage. You can't talk about a weather advantage. Both teams have to play in it. Weather advantage is a stupid. The officials have to officiate in it, and the coaches have to coach in it, and the broadcasters have to broadcast in in the booth in it. Every everybody's there. Everybody's there has to be in those elements. Fans gotta watch in it too. But when you're wearing those fucking candy ass uniforms, there's absolutely no chance you're winning a game in that weather. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's so stupid too because all you hear about is Miami fans like, oh, it's so stupid to have to play in this game. This weather advantage. They literally put their opponents in the Miami humidity and 110 degree weather every single week. Like, especially in September when people are dying of heat stroke on the other sideline and they're in the shade, they don't talk about weather then, but then when it's just 130 degrees lower, then they start talking about it. I mean, come on, that's not right. If you want to play it, if you want a weather advantage like Miami has at home, then Go to the polar opposite end of the spectrum, and I don't know. You know what? You know what I'm trying to say? Like yeah. it's just stupid from Miami out of all teams to yeah. complain about the weather. Well, they're you complaining about the weather because they couldn't beat the Bills. That is you true. Therefore, it, it, it they put themselves a, in that situation. It was an opportunity for them to prove that they were legit, and you know, the wild card weekend. This is your chance especially for a team that drops from the two seed all the way down to the six seed um, in the last week of the season. Um, 
that's you know what that's what you have to go through and and that was a perfect test for them honestly and them losing this game is indicative of the season that they had and you can talk about um you know the injuries that they had on that defense but it really didn't stop it really didn't stop them in this game it really wasn't the issue in this game the issue was they couldn't really get the run game going um Tyree Kill scored but other than that he he really wasn't anything special and you know, I like the one person that really got affected by the weather was Jalen Waddle. Yeah, he looked cold. He and he was terrible in this game. Uh, the Dolphins weren't able to run in this game, which you know, it, it, this is a game where you need to ground and pound and really get everybody going, get the feet moving, all of that. And it was really just all owned up uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs. Pacheco had 89 yards, a touchdown. Um, and they did exactly what they needed to do, and they looked pretty dang good doing it. Um, and, you know, shout out to us. We all had Kansas City in this game. Um, mm-hmm. And this was, like, probably the game that we most well predicted. Like, from last week, we kind of said exactly what was going to happen. Yeah, and it's so stupid. Like, all right, did you guys see Tyreek's tweet? Uh, I was jam my ass to Cancun? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, like, that's, that's not funny stupid. for you to say. Like if, if I'm a Dolphins fan, <laughs> it's I'm not funny when you say that. It's yeah. funny when we say that about you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous that, like, I mean, obviously, like, either whoever won this game, whoever lost this game, we would have saw the like the true people who are behind like the leadership in these locker rooms. And Miami losing this game showed a lot about them and their franchise. I'm not gonna say anything about their coaches or anything like that, but the leaders in the locker room, besides the people talking to them, they're all just like didn't care. Yeah. Like they, they, they no one on that team, and the whole season they're like, "Oh, Miami is going to be something different this year." Same old Miami. No one cares. Well, well, now are you not going to speak on the coaches because you think they're good, or because you like know them? No, I'm not speaking on the coaches. <laughs> he always does this. Do <laughs> he always I'm not. Well, I don't want to say like I don't like Mike McDaniel because I think he's a great coach. Okay. I'm okay. So you like? Leader. I'm saying the players themselves and those leaders who are really okay. Okay, okay. Because Mike McDaniel gets That's what I just didn't know if you knew Mike McDaniel. Locks, but it, I'm talking about the players themselves because they're not take, it doesn't okay. feel like they're taking any accountability to their loss. They're just like, oh, well, we still got the same guys next year. Um, Will, you do know Mike McDaniel. I don't know why you're fronting about that. But, no, I 100% agree with you. Ima- like, Griff, imagine if, like, I'll say this comparably. If Julian Edelman or Doug Baldwin tweeted that out in 2015, Oh, oh I would have gone fucking. I would have gone ape shit. I would have been like, like, "What are we doing?" And nobody in Miami cares. You know what I mean? Like, it just proves how shitty that fan base is, and, and they don't care about. Well, ball. I'm glad you compared because I have two of like the most influential, like unmedia trained professional athletes of all time in Seahawks history, Richard Sherman and Marshawn Lynch. And never have they ever joked about losing because if you're a professional athlete, your whole life is dependent on winning. You should not be, you know, happy with a loss. That's not something that you joke about. You know, Richard Sherman always had like the jokes and stuff and all of them related to him winning. Marshawn Lynch only talked when he was focused on winning and when his team was winning, when they weren't winning, he was upset. Now, that it, that's a bit different of a scenario. And I guess you could say it's a bit different of a time with how much social media has changed. But if, if someone on my team, if my number one player and DK Metcalf is an idiot, 
And if he if we lost the game and after the game, he was like, oh, nice. I, at least I get a day off. Like, I, I'd be mad about that. Yeah, and that's way different than what I reached in the locker room the next day. And he's just like, like, what do you like? How do you go up to that person? Like, how do you be like, yeah, like we're supposed to be in this together. And he's like, yeah, I can't wait to go to Cancun. Like what? Yeah. And not only that, too, it's just like. I don't know. It it just pisses me off because there's been no more positive storylines than what we've heard about the Miami Dolphins this year. You know, we, we kind of talked about it before where they were, oh, the Dolphins, the best offense we've ever seen. They're putting up 70 points. They're just candy ass. Like, they're frauds. They're a Pac-12 team in 2018. Like, that that's how I look at them. Um, when shit gets hard, they can't respond to adversity. They're too focused on the external factors of football. I mean, you have Tua begging for the media to call him good. Literally begging. And... They beat one team above 500 all year. The Patriots beat more teams above 500 than they did. That's embarrassing. Um, it's a good stat. I didn't even know that. I didn't either. The, I mean, Tyreek talking about he just wants to go into gaming or porn when he retires. Like he's under contract. You're getting paid 150 fucking million dollars. Shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just. God, it pisses me off, man, because the Dolphins should have been so much better in the playoffs, and they folded when shit got hard. When they had to face the Bills late in the season, they folded. When they had to face the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football to solidify themselves as the champions of the AFC East, they couldn't do it. And the Bills go back, and they win the division, and now Miami has to, had to go in negative 30-degree condition, and they got their ass kicked. They got embarrassed. They were frauds. The Dolphins have to go to the, the drawing board because it's really from a leadership point of view. They don't care about football. That's that's the major takeaway I got from this Dolphins team this year is they don't care about football. They'll be great. They'll be happy when the times are were good, like when you're putting up 70 and breaking records. But then when shit hits the fan and you have to face some competition, like the Baltimore Ravens late in the season, you lose by fucking 50. That's the real colors of the team, how they responded. And they did not respond well. Bye-bye, Miami. You didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. Next game. We got the Green Bay Packers going to Dallas. And now, Will, I want to hear your thoughts on this game before we say anything. Um, You know, it's one of those games where you knew it was going to happen. Literally, as the ball was getting kicked off, you knew it was going to happen. I don't know. There was something about it. I know we talked about it on the pod. I predicted the Cowboys. I was pretty high on the Cowboys. I feel like we all were. I feel like everybody in the country was. But there's just always just something about when the Cowboys play the Packers. As soon as the game starts, like, they're going to lose. And then they came out flat, and there's nothing else about that. Like, you watch the game. You watch the entirety of the game. I did fall asleep during it because the game was over when it was 27 nothing. The the, the the season was like once it was twenty seven nine there was no shot there winning the game, there was no shot they weren't coming back they were they came out flat they sucked that's all and I also want to say Dan Quinn lost his lost his um didn't lose it might lose his job but I don't think so but he lost his chance at a head coaching job again yeah and, and like you said well the final score wasn't indicative of how this game went and what the Packers did in this game was scare the rest of the league and not just for this season, but for years to come with that core that they have over there. And Jordan Love goes out there and throws three touchdowns and Romeo Dobbs is, you know, kind of 
showing that you know Romeo Dobbs isn't the number one target on that guy on that team. You know, many people are saying Christian Watson has the potential to be that guy, um, and they're just showing that it could be any any guy in that room any given week uh, to go out there and get it done. And Dobbs was the guy to to take the majority of the yards, um, get a good chunk of offense for them in this game. And what was proven this season from the Cowboys uh, was Tony Pollard is not a premier back. We, we've been wanting it for years. We've been asking for it for years. Um, and maybe at one point in his career, he could have been when he was the understudy to um, – to Zeke, but it, it just couldn't be the year this year. And that's really what they needed down the stretch. And it, 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 it they couldn't get it out of him. Um, that offense was electric throughout the year. Um, and Dak still went out there in the second half and threw a few touchdowns um, after the game was pretty much over. But that run game couldn't be, you know, it, it couldn't be efficient at all really throughout the year. And it got exposed early in the playoffs too. It's a bad look for the Dallas Cowboys who were riding on the highest of highs, the two seed, correct? Yep. Yep. The two seed uh, out of the NFC and it just a, it, it's an absolutely terrible look and a prime upset slate. Good pick stuff. Also yeah. the first time a seven seed has ever beat a two seed since the seven seed was added. Yeah, I know that was a weird stat. I didn't think that was true, but then obviously looking back at it, you did it just sounded like there was an eel outside. All right. Um, yeah, but Shadow, I, I kind of figured it was one of those things where the Packers are playing some really good football right now. I mean, Will, new reminder for you, um, preseason episode, remind me to bet Jordan Love MVP next year. MVP. It's just one of those things. This team reminds me of that 2010 Packers team. Everything about them. Young quarterback, good receiving core. Uh, the defense is obviously not nearly as good, but yeah. they played some good ball the other night. They, the Cowboys looked like they were so unprepared. Uh, the, the Cowboys – see, here's the thing about the Cowboys. They have so much fucking talent. Like, it has to be coaching because Dak Prescott has talent. C.D. Lamb's one of the best receivers in the NFL. He did uh, nothing. He was not special in that game at all. He, he got over his yards, but yeah. that was all in dunk time. And it's just one of those things where they need better scheming. That That's how I looked at it. Uh, it just looked like everything that they were doing in that first quarter, first half, you, you know, for the full game, to be honest. I mean, they put up some garbage time points and efforts of a comeback, but it just looked like the Packers knew what was going to happen. And when that happens, it means you don't have good coaching. And who's available as the head coach? A lot. Dude, I think it's so obvious that Belichick is going to be the next coach of the Cowboys. That it's not even funny. He's going to be the highest. Head, he's going to be the highest paid head coach of all time. He's going to bring in Josh McDaniels as his offensive coordinator. A hunch. I think he's going to bring in Saban as a defensive coordinator. I, Somewhere last week you said the Falcons. Did I? Yeah, last week you said the same thing, the same exact thing about the Atlanta Falcons. Well, yeah, I oh, pretty yeah. much I did say that, but it's just like I didn't necessarily think that the Cowboys would be in this predicament yeah. where they got outcoached by far. Matt, Matt LaFleur ran circles around Mike McCarthy and it was clear. And Definitely. I thought, you know, I thought Mike McCarthy was a decent coach. You know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. I thought he was a decent coach. I thought he could get the job done with a talented roster and I was proven wrong. And the same thing with Dan Quinn, 
Dan Quinn probably has one of the most talented defenses in the entire NFL, and his corners looked lost. And they were just playing zone in that entire first half, and Jordan Love had all the time in the world to throw that ball. I mean, no wonder why you're going to lose. Aaron Jones also put up, what, three touchdowns? They, they couldn't stop the pass, and they couldn't stop the run, and Dan Quinn is supposed to be one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. I mean, and, they won the coin toss, and they elected to receive. And exactly. went down and scored. Like, like, the game was over right then and there. The Packers set the tone. And What was I listening to? I think it was the Julian Edelman show. Could have been Julian Edelman or Gronk. I don't know. Someone said it where it's like the Patriots' philosophy in playoff games was the first drive you come out and you set the tone, whether you're electing to receive or you're kicking off. You, If you're the defensive coordinator or you're the offensive coordinator, you show your best stuff on that first drive and you set the tone. Because if you come out and you set the tone, the entire momentum shifted, and it's exactly what we saw with the Packers. They came out. They set the tone. They scored a touchdown. They got a stop. They did their jobs, and that derailed the entire course of the game. And that's why the that's why the Cowboys were playing catch-up, and they couldn't come back, and that's why they lost, and that's why they're at home right now questioning literally everything in their organization. All right. Yeah. Next game. Game of the weekend, I would say so. Rams at Lions. Um, There are so many storylines for this game that it's ridiculous. I don't even know where to start. But – I want to start off, shout out Jared Goff, proving a lot of the doubters wrong. He played a really fucking good game, in my opinion. I, he took care of the football, threw some touchdowns, kept them in it when the when the Rams were kind of teetering on that comeback. Uh, shout out Jared Goff, shout out the Lions, first playoff win in 30 years or so. Shout yeah, yeah, since since 91. Um, and I, I just want to say that, that the box score is not indicative of the game that the Lions played. They played a fantastic game on defense on both sides. And even though it was a, a hell, of, hell of a close game, it, it kind of felt like the Lions had it. And they they went out there and they won the game. It, it, it was a, a fantastic game for golf. It, it was just an overall Lions win where it was one of those – it was kind of like the perfect scenario for everybody. And, and they got the opportunity to take the final few, few kneel downs. It was like a picture-perfect first playoff win um, since – way before we were born, not way before we were born, but since before we were born, um, it, 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 it was like a storybook. Like it was, it was like something that maybe there might be a 30 for 30 on it in a few years. Um, that's how good of a game it was. It, it, it was a fairy tale game is the, is the good way to put it. Um, I, I, you know, I want to shed some light on the LA Rams. Obviously I'm an NFC West guy. Uh, you know, every single year McVay might go to Fox or CBS, whatever it is, and I'm waiting for it. So this could be the end for him, maybe. Aaron Donald, same thing. Uh, Matthew Stafford, same thing. If you guys all just want to leave, maybe take on uh, some new journeys and screw over this franchise because they're starting to get some youth in there. And if they can have, like, a bad quarterback, that would be really good for the NFC West um, for, for myself. Um, that also brings up a good point. I didn't even think about McVay potentially calling it a career, like coaching at that point. But also, I mean, this, like like you said, Griff, and I feel like a lot of the games this weekend, the the score was not indicative of how the game went at all. Like I felt like the, there was a lot of interesting matchups in total. I mean, obviously, this is probably, I would probably say, game of the week just because of the Lions winning their first playoff game in our lifetime which is crazy to even think about. Um, like you said, Griff, picture 
perfect ending for them, and they and they and they got themselves luckily another home game. So two home games. So I mean, there's a lot going forward for them. They looked really good. They could make a little run. Uh, a lot of the teams that won this week, obviously, you want to think that oh, like they're poised to go go the distance potentially. But the Lions are definitely one of those teams where you look at them and you're like they have a chance. I mean, all those things that Dan Campbell said when he came in what two three years ago now. All those things he said, break your kneecaps, all that stuff is all coming to fruition. Yeah. And shout out him. And I feel like the GM doesn't get enough credit either. Mm-hmm. He assembled a really good team. Like, oh my him- God. Wait, I'm sorry. That's crazy, Will, because didn't they actually break the Rams' tight end's knee in this yeah. game? Be, he tore his oh, knee. Yeah, I totally forgot. You said that, and I literally pictured, I saw the replay on Twitter. <laughs> It's one of the worst torn ACLs I think I've yeah. ever seen on my life on video. That was torn when the ball was thrown, pretty much. Oh, um, sorry, sorry, but sorry. shout out Puka Nakua, um, drafted after Chad Ryland, uh, really good fucking kicker, really good. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, that's so crazy. Wait, what about the punter? Did you draft the punter before him too? No, because okay. Nakua was a fourth round guy. Okay. We drafted Barringer in the fifth round. Don't worry. Um, yeah, don't worry. We got our special teams out of the way. Actually, did we draft? Wait, hold on. Now I'm confused because Bryce Barringer draft. <laughs> because I have a really weird feeling that we drafted him in the third round. I was going to say, we would definitely draft the punter in the third round. Uh, no, round six. Okay, okay. We got him in the sixth round. Okay, that made me feel a little bit better, but not really. He's he's okay, but you, I can we can go and pick up a punter off the street. We're not getting into Patriots draft right now, um, but shout out Chad Ryland. Um, we can send him out wide. We could have really used a Puka Nakua this season to resurrect the franchise. If if Belichick drafted Puka Nakua, he would still have a job with the Patriots. I agree. All right, um, and did you guys see Stafford? get absolutely killed and his eyes rolled back in his head. Where's the independent doctor? Like he, I thought he died. Football dude. It's football. I mean, yeah, it's football. That's what football is. It takes notes. I loved every moment of that. That's what Matthew Stafford does too. Like he, like he should be comeback player of the year. Yeah. He died, came back and played. (laughs) Nobody's ever done that. Nope. I don't like the (laughs) Marham. Wonder how many penalties come back and play compared to snaps played. Oh god, Demar Hamlin sucks. And he's gonna win comeback player of the year now because Joe Flacco put up a stinker in the in the first round. So Demar Hamlin was really playing preying on that downfall. Do you think he has a contract incentive? What if the Bills make to the Super Bowl? Because like we'll know that before like it's official. Demar Hamlin literally costed them a game. Like he was the twelfth man on that offside against Denver when they missed that kick. Like, you've only played, like, three snaps all year. How are you he the 12th man? You're obviously not playing. You're obviously not supposed to be out there. He has more – no, he has more penalties than tackles. That's what it is. At one point, he had the same amount of penalties as snaps. He had two snaps, played two penalties because he had that 12 man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. At one point. Yeah. I mean, he probably thought that they were only well, this is in- perfect. Let's talk about the Bills game. Yeah. Yeah, right into it. Uh, the Bills had a really hot start. 
they came out in that game and they're like, oh shit, the Bills are this is a playoff Bills. It kind of reminded me of that Patriots game. Remember, we watched that in my basement when the Patriots lost by like 50. But the Steelers weathered the storm. I'm I, I don't really care about the Steelers too much, but they played a good second half, kind of. They couldn't tackle. Nobody could tackle. Well, the, the thing is with the Steelers team was they had absolutely no business being in the playoffs in the first place. Fuck them, too, for ruining my season. Um, They suck. And th- this isn't a team where I look at the Steelers team and I'm like, oh, nice, we made the playoffs. And obviously, if you make the playoffs, it's not a meaningless season. But what about when your first-round pick quarterback is getting benched for a guy that, you know, has been benched on your team for the last three years. Like Mason Rudolph isn't going to do anything for the future of this franchise. And Kenny Pickett's a bust. I mean, their own, their own head coach, who's the most winningest head coach in the last 15 years, benched them and they made the playoffs because of it. So this Steelers team has to take a new direction. Uh, They ended up running the ball very well down the stretch. Um, They couldn't do it in this wild card game. And if you couldn't tell guys, now's my time to get into this episode because usually I have about one moment in the episode where I make Stav's head turn and this is it. Um, the Bills mayor rigged this game by moving oh, this game. There was no business. I don't care about you know not allowing the game in the snow, but if this game was played in the snow and the roles were reversed, and it had to be, you know, a heavy rushing game, and it was a game where defense really had to take over. I don't know about the direction of this game, and I don't think it ends, especially in a double-digit deficit. Um, but since they got the whole city of Buffalo, because not only that, that that's not, you know, I'm not just making that up out of nowhere. They were declared in a state of emergency, but people were allowed to go to the stadium to go clear out the snow out of the stadium. That that was the only thing they were well, allowed to no do travel for that. because it was deemed as a first responder act. They're getting $20 an hour and a sandwich to do that. This game was super rigged. Um, the Bills had it the whole time. And I just don't think the Steelers have the future that they think they do. When you don't have a quarterback, you really can't be confident in, in, in your next year. Like who? What are they gonna do? Are they gonna go back to Kenny? Are they gonna even hire, bring back Tomlin? Like, I mean, if if they don't bring back Tomlin, that's my guy that I want for the Seahawks. I haven't said anybody on the podcast because I'm waiting for that. Mike Tomlin has gone over 500 every single year that he's coached. I don't care that you know he only has his one Super Bowl. He's had you know some very terrible teams. To make those guys over 500, you get in the right system. You get the right guys behind you. I mean, he really hasn't had much luck with with filling filling a roster and building a squad. Um, but you know, he's had prolonged success. They've been over 500 every year. It'd be the dumbest mistake ever to fire a guy like that. Well, it was last year too. We got one year left. Yeah, and he's never gone into it. He's never gone into an expiring year. Well, it's the, the first time in his career. How I look at the Steelers is just like mediocrity. Like, oh yeah, good for nothing. I mean, it's like a our saying on the podcast when when it was the two of us back when there wasn't a seventeen game season when it was a sixteen game season. If you made if you go eight and eight, don't make the playoffs, then your season didn't even happen. That that was like the epitome of the Steelers. That used to be the Steelers every year. When was the last time Pittsburgh won a playoff game? It's been a few years. It's definitely been a few years. I mean, 
They didn't make it in they 2019. They lost that Cleveland game. They didn't make it in 2019. 2018, they – That was the Patriots. Rams won. So that means they lost – they even make the playoffs that year? I don't know. I, I was gonna say um the fact I like the fact that Mike Tomlin's entering in his last year of his contract and with this team aging and with literally no one on this team like on offense besides maybe Warren and like Pickens, they have like some guys, like no quarterback and their own lines all right. This is probably the most unfavorable situation Mike Tomlin has been in as a head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um the Steelers have won three playoff games in the last 10 years. It's a tough look. Jeez. And two of them came in 2017 where they beat Miami and they beat Kansas City in the divisional round. Mm-hmm. They haven't won a playoff game since 2017. That was the year they lost to us. Yeah, the- I think it would be a good shakeup. I think it would be a good shakeup. I think Mike Tomlin's a hell of a coach. I think Vrabel perfectly embodies oh, yeah. Pittsburgh. I think that if you're going to fire Tomlin or if you're going to move on from Tomlin – Mike Vrabel needs to be the first call that you make. It's a Pittsburgh Steeler that he embodies that entire city. Like that would be a perfect fit. And that would be, yeah, I think that'd be a perfect fit. And I think everyone in that franchise would benefit if Mike, if Mike Vrabel was the head coach of the Steelers. Also wanted to say, I feel like them winning and going over 500 has actually hurt them in the long run. Yeah, I mean they they haven't got themselves good draft capital. Yeah. They lose in the wild card at year in year out. The years that they don't lose in the wild card, they go over five hundred and they don't make the playoffs. Um, so they're not getting great picks, and that's why they're having to reach for you know a Kenny Pickett, um, maybe a JJ McCarthy in this next draft, um, someone like that. It, it's going to be a tough go at it, and you know. I guess you guys are right. It's hard to, you know, fire a guy, and there's going to be a lot of people upset about it. But if you keep doing the same thing year in and year out, you're in this outstanding cycle where it's like, you know, you start the season, you have high hopes, you have a a nice white quarterback with small hands, they're going to lead the way, and then he doesn't, doesn't pan out, but then the defense is so good. The defense has been good forever. And, you know, they haven't been able to figure it out. So I wouldn't hate the idea of them moving on. Um, but just in my opinion, they shouldn't have been in the playoffs in the first place. No, they shouldn't have even touched it. I mean, if the Jaguars ended up playing the, the Bills, it would have been a better game. The Seahawks should have been in Week 17. Yeah, that, that was a tough one. Would the Seahawks have been in the playoffs if, if they, they won that game, they would have clinched that week, yep. Yeah, that is tough because then I remember the last week came down to like New Orleans. We had to win and New Orleans uh, had to lose. lose. No, I don't think it was New Orleans. I think it was the Packers. It was the Packers. Packers that's right. had to that's lose. right, because we were rooting for the Bears. We were rooting for the Bears. That's correct. Um yeah. So, damn. It's just it's one of those things where you I but would we really would have rather seen Jacksonville in the playoffs over Pittsburgh? Because Jacksonville was playing some really bad fucking Well, I, I think either team would be saying the same exact thing right now. I'd be yeah. saying the same exact thing right now. I'd be like, but 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 what I like a lot more about Jacksonville is they have a quarterback. Yeah, you put Lawrence in the playoffs with Ridley. Like, see, I, you know, you got a better chance. At the end of the day, if your team's ass, you have a better chance when you at least have a guy be, behind the uh, center. Is Lawrence like, right? a guy? 
Are we going to start? Yeah, that I mean, he's more of a guy than Mason Rudolph. Yeah. I don't think he's a superstar. I think he's a starting quarterback in this league. We got to start some. I like him on my team. Yeah, we got to start some narratives about certain guys. Okay. I, um, I can start a narrative. Yes. Um, I got it. One second. Okay. Ready? Yes. Jalen Hurts is not a leader. That's fair. As much as people say he's a like, because you know you, you can talk about him being a good ball player, a bad ball player, and I have my um ideas on that. But in terms of a leader, I feel like everybody thinks that Jalen Hurts gets this team around him and they all buy into him. And I don't see it at all. He goes out there and plays his ass off, blah, blah, blah. And this game showed exactly why. I feel like when it's all set, like when it comes down to it, he's not going out there and making those game winning plays. He had a hell of a he had a hell of a Super Bowl and they should have won that game and they didn't. They should have came in. To, to Tampa Bay in this game and prove that, hey, you know, we're still here and I'm still a top three quarterback in this league. This guy doesn't get a team around him. And this team, like, I mean, they they gave up in this game. And that that's terrible to see from a team that started 10 and one and a team that, you know, you can talk about all the injuries, but I feel like we could say that about every single team. And you can say that about every single team, especially when you're this deep into the season. Once Kelsey retires, once Brandon Graham retires, retire. Once who Kelsey Kelsey retired last night today, last night post game in the locker room. Oh, thank God! Brandon Graham and Lane Johnson are you know they're halfway out the door as well, and this team is going to be shaken up. And now it's time to see what this guy can do as a franchise quarterback. And there's not many guys in this league like you just said, Stav. Uh, with with uh, Lawrence, is he a guy? There's not many guys that are, you know, actual franchise quarterbacks that are going to go out there and win you a Super Bowl every year. And there's some fringe guys, and I'm going to put him in this conversation. I'm going to put Burrow in there. Um, I'm going to put Jalen in there, and I think Jalen's a little bit ahead of them. Um, but, you know, or not a little bit ahead of them. I actually think Jalen's a good fit in there. The, those type of, of guys where I just think that Hurts is getting a lot more love than these guys because he did make the Super Bowl where that team was just absolutely astounding. And I haven't seen him go out there and win a game by himself. I haven't okay. seen him make like a quarter. It's going to a whole lot harder when he doesn't got his head coach anymore. I have, a, an I have an official comment from Nico, my roommate, about the future of the Steelers. Okay. Um, this is kind of – I feel like this is somewhat of the gist of the overall fan base. But he's content with Tomlin being the head coach. Changes need to be made at both coordinator positions. And – they need to come from like outside the organization. They can't just be I like, like that. They can't keep promoting within. And he said he'll be very surprised if Kenny and Mason aren't competing for the starting quarterback job next year. And they just need to improve at a majority of the next positions. And just, to, I just wanted to bring that up quickly, just from an insider point of view, I guess. But if you want to get back to the Eagles talk, um, did you see all the free agents that they have this, this upcoming offseason? Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, DeAndre Swift, Quez Watkins, uh, Nicholas Morrow, Zach Cunningham, Shaq Leonard, Bradley Roby, Alameda Zacchaeus, Boston Scott, Marcus Mariota, Julio Jones, Rashad Penny, and their punter. Um, Jason Kelsey also isn't returning. They're in they're in cap hell right now because of how much money they're paying to AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts. And AJ Brown didn't even fucking play yesterday. The only guy in the Eagles. 
Yeah, that's I mean, bold prediction. I think he's going to get fired. You you said, and, uh, and they're they're known to have a quick trigger. I think Sirianni's going to get fired. Like they, they're, they're not have a quick trigger. They don't have, they don't have patience over there in Philly. They're known to do yeah. that. They did that to Kelly. I feel, like it's gonna, I, I feel like you would expect him to come back, even though because they literally were in the Super Bowl last year. But I think it's going to be a shock decision. It's not going to happen like this week, next week. I think it's going to happen like three, four weeks post Super Bowl. And like there, I don't know what happened in that locker room though, because we we can say this time and time again. You, they were 10 and 1. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football in a Super Bowl rematch. That was their absolute peak of the season. I feel like that's what they were working towards. And then they couldn't really refocus their attention to improving on the rest of the season. You know what I mean? I just feel mm-hmm. like they were building something. And they, when they were sitting at 10 and 1, if we were talking nine weeks ago when they were sitting at 10 and 1, however long that or however long ago that was. And you told us that this would be their fate this season. I'd call you crazy because I think we pretty much had a shoe in of 49ers Eagles uh, AFC champ- or NFC Championship rematch. And to be honest, I think that the 49ers just absolutely demasculated them and or emasculated them. And I think that kind of put them in a position of shock where they're like, oh shit. Like these guys were talking shit about us all offseason. These guys, we were talking shit about them saying it wouldn't have been different with Brock Purdy, whatever they said. And the 49ers went into their house and absolutely sent their franchise into a rebuild. Um, Will, I agree with you. I think Sirianni's gone. He has to be gone. And and my main reasoning is, is one, it's evident that he lost the locker room Mm -hmm. at the turning point of the season. Two, you don't just fire and add in coordinators and, like, put them around them and, like, like, you know what I mean? It just seemed like, like, like something was wrong and he – and he just one had no idea how to fix it, and two because he didn't know how to fix it, he just threw guys that have been veterans in the league to help bring up younger guys. And in fact, they were just like that's probably where he lost the locker room because now they're listening to what six different voices. You can't have a, have a team do that. At most, you want them listening to one, the head coach, but at least the, your position group or their coordinator respect respectfully. Like that's really all you you want because now they're listening to two O coordinators, two D coordinators, a head coach, and their position coach. What what do you expect them to do? Yeah, there's just so much confusion. Yeah, and it's like you're only supposed to listen to your position coach, and the position coach is supposed to be a bridge from the offensive coordinator to the player. Like that that's kind of the role of the position coach to make sure everything's kind of in line with what the offensive coordinator wants. And obviously what the offensive coordinator wants is an overall bigger message from the head coach. But when you're spreading that message amongst eight guys, changing defensive coordinators here, offensive coordinator here, you're going to be a play caller this week, so on and so forth. The players were confused and they were unprepared. And we're already halfway, we have our foot halfway in the door about talking about the Philadelphia and Tampa Bay game. And I do want to give some credit to Tampa Bay because in the playoffs, no one really gave them a shot to do anything, I believe. I feel like even though they won their division, I know it was a very uncompetitive division, Baker Mayfield came in and he did what he does best, and he just rallies the troops and he makes plays when it matters. Um, shout out Baker Mayfield. Dude's a winner. Um, 
he's literally playing on a minimum deal right now. He's going to get paid. I think he's going to get paid, yeah. but I don't think he's going to get like a max deal or whatever. I think he's going to take a very team friendly deal and stay for, in Tampa Bay for a little bit. Yeah. And, and what Tampa did very well throughout, especially the beginning of the game was getting all of the points that they possibly could and, you know, not reaching for anything, not really taking any big chances at the beginning of the game. If there was a couple of fourth down and, and, you know, not shorts, but, if you want to talk about analytical plays, um, maybe like a fourth and seven, there was a couple of those where it was a bit of four down territory. They just took their points and they did a great job of doing that. And, and, and it led to the offense opening up where they had a little bit more of a lead throughout the game. They had some comfortability. Boom. There's a bomb to Trey Palmer, the rookie um, and, and Chris Godwin late in the game um as well it just really allowed that offense to get going it allowed them to build up momentum throughout the game and basically what i'm trying to say is special teams won this game for tampa bay it, it was an overall very efficient game special teams wise from tampa bay and they went out there they squeezed out all the points they possibly could out of the philadelphia eagles they did their thing on defense and they played a very efficient ball game they played i mean one of the best games any team played this past weekend i mean they played as a complete team i mean when like they also this was another one of those games where you just knew the eagles were not winning this game i feel like leading up into the week it, it felt like the Bucks were kind of just getting written off. And then right when game time hit, their defense came out there, electric, stopped them on offense the whole game. Like the Eagles came out flat for literally almost every game they played after that halfway point. They didn't look the same, and there was no way that they were going to be able to fix it come the playoff time. And the whole narrative the whole week was, can the Eagles turn around? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they have all the guys – all the key guys to do so like this team is still very much stacked but i mean you, you can't expect the full a team that was in the super bowl last year to not have a slump but you also can't expect a team to literally fall off at the halfway mark of the season to now turn around in the wild card it won't happen yeah i'm i don't want to say unfortunate i really don't care about philadelphia like shout out them for sucking and just constantly losing uh City of Philadelphia, ah, we're on the air. I can't say that. All right. That's a good transition into the divisional round. And we're going to get into our ladder challenge later, but player props haven't dropped yet. So we're going to do our, our ladder based on spread or over under. Something, some yeah. Two things that are confirmed right now. So let's start with Saturday's games. Uh, 4.30, we have the Houston tra Texans traveling to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. And like we said earlier, I, dude, I'm wicked excited for this game. I, I think CJ has something to prove. He has a chip on his shoulder. And I know Baltimore is like the Super Bowl favorites, but it really wouldn't shock me if Houston went into uh, Baltimore and just kicked the shit out of them and just jumped on them and didn't like Okay, them. okay. So he here's my thing. Here's my thing. Ready? Nine points is a crazy spread in this game. It is. And I know that Baltimore is the one seed and Texan or Houston's coming off a very impressive win where their defense really came through. They're going to have much more of a test this week coming up against Lamar Jackson. Um, but I mean, these are two of the most complete teams in the NFL, like the two, the 
maybe the best offense uh, in the AFC in Baltimore in, in a top three offense and defense right now, what we're expecting from Houston. Um, they've been playing fantastic both sides. And I think that this spread is way too big. And I also love, I love, love, love the line of this game at 44 and a half. Um, I think that this is going to be a high scoring game. I like Houston in this game. And, um, you know, I, I love them with the points, Stav, and I get what you're saying. Um, they have a chance to go win this game. It's going to be tough to win it at the bank. Uh, I love the fact that it's not an 8-30 game in Baltimore. Um, there, there's a lot of things affecting this game. I think C.J. Stroud is going to go out there and show that, you know, next year he, he, he could be a guy that is uh, in the MVP race. I'm also there with you. I mean, out of there's there's two very big games this week, and they both happen to be playing on Saturday. We'll get to the other game after this one. But I mean, I feel like watching both of these teams, watching the Texans, and obviously we're talking about the Packers. I feel like the Texans is the one that I feel more confident in picking them if I were to pick someone on a full upset to win straight up. They're just one of those teams that they came out there, they played the best defense, and they shit on them. Literally shit on them. And there was no doubt about it. And um, I mean, the Ravens also have a great defense. I like the Ra- I mean, I like the Texans with the points this game, but I also do like them to potentially win straight up. Nine points so, is crazy. Nine nine points, points. Well, I think I think the spread should be on our ladder. Plus nine should be on our ladder. It if not, next, it, we'll, we'll list it as a candidate because we'll we'll yeah. solidify it at the end of our talk. But we'll list it yeah. as a candidate. It's um. I don't know. It's tough. Like nine points is crazy, but it's making me wonder why is it nine points? Yeah, I mean Baltimore blows out everybody, but they're I don't know. Maybe the buy hurts them. We see that a lot of the times. We've seen Baltimore struggle in the playoffs. Like I don't Houston, know. Houston, all Houston did was grow momentum last week. I know. This is like them. when this is like when the Diamondbacks won in the wild card and, you know, just kept on their momentum. I mean, they played a hell of a game. They played one of the best games of their season last week. Yeah, and they just didn't slow down. I don't know. All right, let's okay, move on. Or are, do we, we all have – we're all on Texans plus nine, right? Yeah. yeah. That's, yep. that's the vibe right now? Yeah, we all okay. have. All right, let's move on. Packers at 49ers. The spread is 10 in favor of the 49ers. This is another one where – after what the Packers did last week, how the fuck do you put them as 10-point underdogs? It's just confusing to me because if the spread was closer, everyone would bet 49ers money line, and that's most likely going to hit. That's kind of where I see it, but 10 points is a lot of points. I agree with you 100%. I think Packers cover. I mean, 10 is way too much. to like. Watching what they did last week, how do you justify betting against them? And the 49ers, 49ers have played some good ball, but they're on like three weeks rest. They benched their and, starters. And you, can't trust, you can't trust Brock Purdy. Yeah, they, they benched their starters. I was going to say, I think this is the only team that benefited from rest. That we will see benefit from rest. Yeah, there was a lot of just like, like they had three weeks off. Yeah. Oh, that team was banged up pretty bad, like going they into were. those three weeks. You're right. You're right. I feel yeah, like this is a situation where they want us to be like, oh, the Packers after they just came up 
on a big win. Mm. I'm still going to take them my, plus 10 because that's just too much points for me to bet against the spread there. But, like, I I'm, I would be scared to – Take Packers money line. Okay, you know what's I have- crazy? Well, is you just took you just took the Packers plus ten after that whole spiel, but that whole spiel actually just talked me and changed it on my card. I got San Fran in this game with the points. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna give a shout that is literally in the middle of what you guys are saying. Um, I like the Packers first half. Hmm. I think I, I gotta see. Uh, where's the uh, first? Do you know what the weather's supposed to be like in that game? I, I would assume. You know what the weather's supposed to be like in that game? I know we're getting a lot of crazy weather around the entire. Should be fine there in San Fran. Yeah. San All right, halftime. Probably like seventy and sunny. <laughs> Those mfs. Halftime. If we were to bet. How come you can't just bet the first half? I mean, we could take an alternate spread, but I feel I, like I don't I don't like this game as much as I like the game that we just talked about. I don't think that this game's worth of the ladder. I think that this is a big like this is a big game. So that's worth. what I was saying before. I was like, if I wanted to I overreact to a game, game I want to overreact to the Texans more than I want to overreact. Okay, DraftKings has player props released, by the way. They do now? Uh they yeah. didn't as of 3 p.m. today. Well, my thought process is here is I feel like we, like the Packers defense was so questionable all season long, and they played a great game against the Cowboys, who are so due to have a bad game. Yeah. Like there's no way in hell the Packers have it back to back weeks on the defensive end. Like they locked the shit out of the Cowboys. Yeah, I don't think we should take that in the ladder. I don't think I, I don't think we should stay away from the game. That's a question mark. Um, yeah. that is a question mark. And that almost makes me want to take the 49ers with with minus minus ten. It's a question mark. I I say as of right now, I like the Packers plus ten. Okay. Um I'm gonna put it at that subject to change throughout the week. Okay, Sunday. Tampa Bay at Detroit. Detroit is a six point favorite at home, obviously. Over under set at 48 and a half. Um I love Detroit here. I think they have some momentum. And the Buccaneers are kind of that team that always has a letdown game. They dominated the bad Eagles team on a really bad run, but Detroit's the opposite of that. They have some good momentum right now. At home, I think Detroit covers. I think they win this game by like two touchdowns. Yeah, I don't think Baker's going to be able to throw three touchdowns in Ford Field like he did last week at home, and I just don't think that the the game that the Buccaneers played this past week is really sustainable to how skillful their team actually is. They played their their asses off. They played like they are actually like a, a Super Bowl contender, and I'm not saying they're terrible, um, but the Lions with the momentum that they have, um, and I love the spread of this game too for the Lions. I love this pick a lot. Uh, probably if not, uh, if not Houston plus nine for my favorite pick this week, um, it, it's the Lions minus six and a half. Um, I, I love the Lions in this game. I also very much so like the over in this game, and I think uh, both sides are going to be passing the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, Todd Bowles can't do it back to back weeks, especially with this team. I mean, he 
scripted up a great game against the Eagles. And the last time the Lions played like a really, really good defense was the Ravens, and they put up a goose egg or almost did. I think they got they didn't get any points. There's no chance that this defense is going to be able to stop them on the offensive side of the ball. I do like them both scoring like a lot of points in this game, but I do like the Lions spread in this game. Yeah, I, we're all on board with Detroit minus six. The only thing that I'm concerned about for Detroit is that they peaked by beating the Rams because there was a lot of storylines going into that game. There was a lot mm-hmm. of emotion tied to it. They haven't won a playoff game. My concern is that they come out flat. I, I well, I think I think the the only thing helping that storyline is that they're home again. Exactly. If yeah. they had to go on the road, I think it'd be a little different. Yep. But um, I, I like Detroit minus six here. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess. We are on to the game of the weekend. Is that what we're going to call this? The game of the weekend? The Chiefs and the Bills. I like first, road, yeah. road, first road playoff game for Patrick Mahomes ever. I um, Dude, that's, that, it's crazy that you said that because when I was working on my notes earlier, I went on StatMuse and I like, you know, you can look up the game logs from whatever. And I literally looked up Patrick Mahomes road playoff games and it just showed the two Super Bowls. And yeah. I, I didn't believe it. I can't believe that this is the first road playoff game he's ever playing in. Mm-hmm. And what a tough! It's kind of a tough environment to go into Buffalo. Buffalo's favored by two and a half here, and I love them. I love them. I think their defense is playing some good football right now. Um, if Josh Allen can take care of the ball, if Stephon Diggs can do his thing, I think Josh and the NFL probably wants. Uh, Josh Allen to get his first win against Patrick Mahomes in the rivalry to keep that thing going, get his first. Or, I, I love the Bills here at home. Uh, this Is this their first divisional round home game with fans? Yes. I think that's because right. I know they, they played the divisional against Baltimore at home, but it was in 2020 where they didn't have fans. So – this is the deepest that Bills Mafia has ever been in the playoffs in the stadium. So I think that's yeah. something to take into consideration. And, and, and I love the Bills in this game too. I, I like them a lot with the points, two and a half. I like the under in this game. And a question mark that I have in this game is um, how reliable can this run game be from Buffalo? Um, and we saw Josh Allen in the last week. You know, We talked about the game, but um, his impressive uh, – I think it was like 56 or something, 57-yard run, whatever it was for a touchdown. Um, that really boosted them, and they're going to be looking for plays like that, not just from him, but also from um, James Cook. And what we really didn't see from Buffalo in the last week was the emergence of Stephon Diggs. I'm looking for him to get some uh, receiving yards in this game. And it's one of those games where you need your superstars to step up. Uh, so you should be expecting something from – him in this game and then the two guys on the other side obviously Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey you know what do you expect from them uh, it, it's been a rough patch for Travis Kelsey he hasn't been getting, been getting in the end zone um I, I I'd shy away from taking him to get in the end zone this week I think that's a scary bet to place I think it's scary to bet on Mahomes like you said Stav his first playoff game ever on the road um and I think all signs are pointing to the Bills. And usually in these situations, I look at the spread to see, you know, does Vegas know something I don't? Um, but I think the Bills at two and a half is perfect. I think it's perfect. And I think I love the Bills in this in this situation. 
I'm right there with you. Love the Bills in this situation. And I think, I mean, you guys all mentioned great points on both sides of the ball. But, I mean, we talk about Mahomes in his first away playoff game, and then we have to talk about his weapons offensively all season long. Do we really think they're going to show up in an away game against the Bills and they didn't at home? Like, and, and, and they didn't – I mean, obviously they played in the cold, one of the coldest games in NFL history, and I can't expect them to – like, they're going to another cold environment. Like, they're not going to escape it. It's going to be freezing probably again up in Buffalo. I 24 mean, degrees. Definitely better than what they played in yeah. last week. But, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's still not warmer. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy to think about that. But you're right, Will. I mean, other than Rushy Rice, nobody on that uh, Chiefs team really showed up. I, I I don't know. Like, it's just such a how question. Can the Chiefs running game take them is really the question because that's really what led them. Exactly. And Buffalo's defense is ten times better than Miami's, in my opinion. Like as of right the second. Yeah. And I think that they can stop the run at a more efficient rate. So it's gonna Mahomes is gonna have to rely on his receivers and Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey hasn't played. Good football in the last three months. Like Mahomes, so, just throwing it out there. Yeah, I can see him doing that. Um, just a question mark. This game's weird. There's Over a lot of this Forty-five and a half. Imagine. Remember, they had that regular season game. Was it last year when the over/under was fifty-four and a half? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the shootout. I think it's going to be a really low-scoring game. Griff, I agree with you. I think this game's gonna be like twenty to seventeen, twenty to fourteen. I like that score. Yeah. Love the under. Love the under in this game. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. So that wraps up divisional round predictions. We're all on Bills minus two and a half for that. So yep. boys. What are do we, we all, like? Are we uh, did we all just like agree on every game? No, I no. have Packers plus 10. I have okay. San Fran. Okay, yeah. so that was the only game we disagreed on. Yes. And uh, Okay, right. okay. so I've been, I've been working. I've been uh, doing my due diligence. And, um, you know, there's a couple different routes that we can take. We can take, you know, how we took the alternate over last week. Uh, I, was, I was fishing a couple alternate um, spreads. And as much as we love the Houston Texans, if we parlayed the Houston Texans plus 14 and a half and the Detroit Lions minus three and a half, both alternate spreads, it would, it would come out to uh, plus 134. That was one thing that I was looking at. Because um, we took the alternate uh, total last week, so maybe an alternate spread could be in the play this week. Um, and obviously it doesn't have to be that specific number. That was just something that I put together. Um, and we agreed on three of the games. So it, it might be something worth taking if we want to do a little two picker, uh, to get it to about plus 100, or we could just take the line of one of these games. Um, I kind of like the idea of these alternates though, that kind of add up to about plus 100. It, it's two that are like, Two lesser risks that add up to that same amount of risk. I like that idea. Yeah, I kind of like the two the two pick like parlays. So, so then it comes to so let's pick one of these games. What what game do we all like the most? Is it for the spread for just like the regular spread? Is it that Houston game? I, I think that it's the Detroit game. 
Detroit minus six. Detroit, the Lions minus six and a half. I love yeah, that. Yeah, we're gonna take a sh- like just whatever the line is. I like the Lions. It's okay, great. I love that. I love that. So if we take them, let's take a game at, on Saturday too. Yeah, we'll take one Saturday, one Sunday. So it's probably gonna have to be that Texans Ravens game, right? Yeah, I don't want to touch. We take a drop in the Packers 49ers game. I don't want to touch a line. Yeah, I don't want to touch a line. I mean, are we? Do we like? Okay, so we're locking in Lions spread. Mm-hmm. What if we were to parlay Gus Edwards anytime touchdown with that? About minus, man, minus 115. Kareem Hunt had two touchdowns against this Texans uh, defense. I, I don't hate. Minus one fifteen for Gus Edwards to get in the end zone. That's all I'm. I'm, pu- I'm putting it out there. So what do you what do you want the odds of this parlay well, to what's be? What's Lamar's line looking like? Plus one twenty. Well, because hypothetically, if we were to parlay Gus Edwards anytime touchdown and Lions minus six, it's plus two forty five. So that's what if is that what I didn't know if we wanted to go with the latter as in like twenty five. Gets you another 25, and then that gets you 50. 50 goes into another, it gets no, you 50. We're, we're so we rolling. want now, so we're we want to go plus 200 now, and then we'll go plus 400 on the next. No, I, I thought we were just doing the uh, the amount in the ladder challenge. So, like, okay, so the odds don't matter, odds don't matter. No, okay, okay, so yeah, we can do that. At plus, I have 57.15 in the account after. You love Gus Edwards. Where did that come from? You just love him. I do. I will. I mean, balancing from Kareem Hunt getting in the end zone twice. Okay. And uh, I like that. No, I, li- I like that. You brought we that also have up. the thing about the con- like. If we're gonna be honest and real, we have the thing with the consistency of this Texans defense, though, against a really good team. Like the the Browns put up a dud. Like we can't say yeah. anything else other than that. Like they were playing. It's arrested Joe. Exactly. So like we we really have to come down and think that, like, the, the Ravens are most likely going to win this game. I'm not going to say they, like anything could happen, but I feel like it's – I feel like it's – I don't never like it's a guarantee, but I feel confident saying that the Ravens are going to roll around up until, like, the five-yard line and Gus Edwards just going to run one in. Do we want to get greedy and add uh, Ravens' money line to it? It doesn't really change the odds too much. No, the only no, thing, no, the only no, thing no. that scares me though is right. Hypothetically, Gus Edwards is in that situation. Do they just run a? Do they just run a QB option and just have? Him? They, yeah, that that, that that's I like. I haven't I haven't bet on him at all this season because of that exact reason. Do they give it to Lamar? Do they give it to Justice Hill? Like, there's just so many different people that could be touching the ball down there. That's what that's what scares yeah. me. Because especially now it's the playoffs, like I feel like they're expected to use a running back, and Lamar hasn't really ran the ball like that all year. Want to know what's absolutely crazy about the this this uh, the lines for any time touchdown score? Edwards minus one fifteen, Mark Andrews plus one fifteen, Lamar Jackson plus one twenty, Zay Flowers plus one forty five, Isaiah Likely plus one fifty five. They're expecting Baltimore to get in the end zone, like a lot. I don't. I I can't remember the last time I saw five players on one team have close to even odds on getting in the end zone. Your backup tight end being at plus one fifty five is crazy. 
So we also don't have to add anything from this game. I just said Gus Edwards because every time I've had mm-hmm. Gus Edwards, anytime touchdown, he's hit in right. those three like touchdown parlays. Um, but we, we can. Do you think there's a lot of points scored in this game? I I almost like. Yes. I, I like almost want to double dip in the Detroit game. What do you like in the Detroit game? I like a like I would like to bet on like an Amon Ra like alt yards. Over. The thing that scares me about that is Tampa Bay's defense has been pretty good. Like they don't allow many points. I I I I think that this is an over game. I think that the Bucks Lions game is an over game, and I think that uh, both teams are going to pass a lot. Be forced to pass a lot. What if we brought that line down to like a a little bit? We took an all over like we did last week. All right. So no, if we're going to take a, if we're going to take a receiving prop, let's take a or if we're going to take a player prop, let's take it in a different game. Let's switch it up. No, I know, but I like the over in that game too. But I'm saying, do we want to take an alternate just to like buy some more points? Second highest over out of any single game this week. Um, yeah. It's, do you want to add Buffalo mine or under uh, 45 and a half? Yeah. Let's add that to it. So we have two legs on this. We yeah. Detroit out of six and Buffalo under 45 and a half. Um, that makes our odds plus 249. So the 57.15 would bring our total up to 199.85. Yeah, I think we do that. Okay. The under and Chiefs bills at 45 and a half. Yep. And Detroit Lions minus six. Yes, those are the two picks. So do we want to add a leg? So it goes to three. So last week we had a two-legger. Now we have a three legger. Next week we do a four, and then the Super Bowl we have. No, a no, I don't. I, I, th- I think, I think where we're increasing is odds. I, th- I think where we're increasing is odds. Okay. Because we're already doing, we're already increasing our odds by th- like three hundred here. Last week was like minus one hundred something. Yeah, and then I did. Add, I added the profit boost. The yeah, profit because I don't have. I, I have forty nine. I don't have fifty seven. Yeah, I the profit boost. The boost pushed that. I want to see if there are any more. Uh, let me. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. NHL. I don't uh, see anything. There's not yet. So maybe we we have these in, and then. And we hold it until we get a boost. Yeah. All right, I'm with that. Yeah, that works for me. All right, so we're good with Lions minus six and under forty five and a half. Those are the that's the next leg of the ladder parlay. Or the yeah, yeah, and we'll stay subject to change in case of a line shift before that. And yes. we'll have them released on, on Twitter like we did this past week. Do we want to do like our inside the five, like other bet, how we did last week too? Yeah, we did add another player prop parlay last week stuff. You were off okay. the We all want to pick one. Okay. All right. We did you not guys hit over. that last week. Right. We did not Let hit me... that last week. Um, I, I guess I'll get it. Or, Will, you get a start. You love the Lions game. I like the Lions game. Um, do like the Lions. Hold up. I didn't look at his yard specifically because we didn't take it. Um, love the Lions game. You know what? I like 
Jameer Gibbs. Gibbs any time? Yeah. David Montgomery scored last against the Lions. I mean, against the Rams. I think Jameer Gibbs gets in against the Bucks. That's how you're feeling? Yeah. They're going to show him some love. Okay. I got mine. Let's hear stuff. I love Kittle over 51 and a half yards receiving. Mm-hmm. I think that the Packers struggle to guard tight ends, especially in that secondary. Now that you're guarding Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, you got to worry about Christian McCaffrey receiving. I think it's going to leave George Kittle uh, to get an opportunity to really get into the I, – I think he might get 100 yards receiving, to be honest. I don't see anyone on that Packers team that can cover George Kittle. All right. I, I like it. I like it a lot. I think that the 49ers are going to have a good game. And I think that there's going to be a lot of points scored um, in that game. I'm having a pretty tough time um, finding what I really, really love to add to this parlay. I think that it has to come from the Texans game, Texans-Ravens game. And I'm scared to bet a touchdown. Oh, it's just so hard to pick. I feel bad I'm doing a terrible job of being a podcaster. And I wish that the passing attempts were alive because I I would take passing attempts. But instead, I'm going to add – would it be crazy if I added C.J. Stroud over one and a half touchdowns? No. No. So are we, are we going to do this? Are we going to parlay these three? Yeah, we're, this is a parlay. Okay, okay. Separate from the ladder challenge, so I'm not Correct. putting. All right, let, let me just place it on. Are we each placing this? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna place it on. So I'm not gonna place it on DraftKings, so I don't have to deposit anything. You know what? Instead of that, instead of that, give me the over in that game at 43 and a half. Over in the Ravens game. Yep. Okay. So the three legs that we have are George Kittle over 51 and a half yards, Jameer Gibbs at any time touchdown, and the over in the Ravens-Texans game. Yep. Okay. All right. I I love that. So just a quick recap. Our parlay for the ladder challenge is Detroit minus six and the under in the Chiefs-Bills game. And then for the IT5 player prop parlay, I have George Kittle over 51 and a half. Will, you have Jameer Gibbs anytime touchdown. And Griff, you have the over in the Texans Ravens game. Okay. Sure. All right. So that wraps up playoff recap. Yeah. It's you now. All right. So this is a healthy episode. We'll call it a big boned episode. Um, but we do have some college basketball to cover, as promised, once a week uh, throughout March. Um, so we're back. I'm back, and I'm here to lead the way. There's a new AP poll, of course, every Monday. We're recording this on Tuesday, so it's fresh in our minds and spirits. We're going to start here with the Big East. That's our conference, and what a better time to be a Big East fan. UConn is the number one team in the nation. Um, they've only lost one game in Big East play. Like we said last week, um, it hasn't changed since the first game uh, that they played in conference play to Seton Hall. Seton Hall also still 5-1 and one in conference play, the one seed in the Big East, Seton Hall, uh, on the cusp of being ranked if they go uh, unbeaten for another week. Um, 
they will be ranked, no doubt in my mind. Um, just overall, you know, without Donovan Klingon, UConn has still found a way to win uh, game in and game out. They've picked up a few tough wins, um, especially a game against St. John's. Um, and, you know, this team really is looking for their number one guy, and it's hard to find that. But throughout the Big East stuff, um, you know, with Marquette falling down, even with a big win um, over Villanova, Sean Jones out for the season with a torn ACL, they're a real spark plug off the bench. Um, you know, it, no one's really set up the way that UConn is in the Big East right now. Stuff. Yeah, I know. I 100% agree. And this is kind of what we've been saying all season about UConn is their veteran presence and their ability to win these close games and stretch the floor, essentially. I mean, I know if we're comparing teams from the national championship last year, we're seeing Alex Carabin taking a larger role and really becoming that number one scoring option, especially on the drive and kicks. We're seeing him shoot the ball in a really efficient rate. Uh, I think what was it on Saturday? He had seven three pointers and he's shooting the ball very well. And they're doing this all without Donovan Klingon. So upon his return, it's hard to say that UConn's going to take any steps back. And in regards to Marquette, um, we're seeing a little bit of a disappoint, disappointing year out of Tyler Kolek, but I think that it's all going to come into fruition. It's kind of like what we saw last year out of them. No one really expected Marquette to pick it up as they did, but they ended up winning the Big East, and they made a little bit of a run in the tournament. So I'm not really too worried about Marquette, but there are some dogs at the bottom of the Big East that we preseason, we had no idea where they were going to do what they are doing now. So the Big East, like we say, we're a Big East pod. The Big East is the best conference in college basketball. I know that we're that kind of contradicts what we're gonna, about to say, but um, Big East is back. Big East is so back. Yeah, and, and Will, um, the only other ranked team other than Marquette um, who fell down to 17, like I perfectly predicted, me and Will went to uh, Brown at Harvard yesterday, got to see some Ivy League action. Um, always good to go out there, watch some college hoops. Um other than Crate or other than Marquette, other than UConn, it's Creighton at the 18 seed, the only other ranked team. They won four straight um, in conference, and they had a controversial win this past weekend against St. John's, where St. John's blew that very big lead. Uh, Creighton nails down two free throws at the end of that game to win it. Um, Creighton really hasn't proved anything, right? And they had that tough game against St. John's, who's okay, and they're doing all right in conference play. Um, I know that St. John's has a tough schedule coming up um, throughout the next few weeks, um, but I really want to talk about this Seton Hall team. They're 12-5 and five right now um, across their full season, 5-1, and one, like I mentioned earlier, first place um, in the Big East in conference play. Um, obviously, they beat UConn in that first day of conference play, but their other wins, you know, are legit. They beat Marquette when they were the seventh-ranked team in the nation. They beat Providence when they were still ranked. Um, and then they beat Georgetown um, and Butler, who Butler's have been a very scrappy team this season. Georgetown's kind of at the bottom of the barrel right now. Seton Hall's yet to play St. John's and Creighton. Those are like their two big games who they have yet to face. And I think when I mentioned St. John's has a tough schedule coming up, I think their next game is actually against Seton Hall. Um, do you find the sustainability from the Seton Hall program 
um, going forward? Or do you think that this is, a, you know, kind of a thing where Marquette, you know, especially after their win against Villanova, is going to start to rise back up? A team like Seton Hall, who has yet to play St. John's and Creighton, and then they're going to have to wrap around the Big East once again. You know, at, at five and one, let's say they beat those two teams, they wrap around the Big East, and they're a three-loss Big East team. They're going to be ranked. Do you see that happening this season from them? Or do you, do you see these teams really stepping up, especially like a team like Xavier we haven't even seen yet, for example? Sustainability is very hard to maintain in college basketball. And we see it year in and year out. And I'm going to get to Seton Hall in a second. But first off, there was a lot of doubt with UConn coming into the season off of a national championship because of sustainability in college basketball. They're starting to prove everyone who had doubts about them completely wrong. And now they're the number one team in the nation. Now we follow up down to their only loss in Big East play with Seton Hall. Now, Seton Hall, I mean – kick it back to when we were in high school and middle school, Seton Hall was a dog every single year in March Madness. You would sit there, watch the games, and Seton Hall had a big upset. Won the, fir- won the first round, big upset potentially in the second round, and they even had some few runs where they were Sweet 16 and Elite 8 in our, in our lifetime. And they kind of fell off through that back end of our high school years into now our, almost our entire college careers now. And now they're kind of moving on their way back. Now their coach, I forget, the uh, was it St. Paul's was? Uh, St. Peter's. St. Peter's. Now they had the old St. Peter's coach with um, Doug Eddard, right? Yeah, that's where he was. Yeah, that's, where, right. that's, that's where he was then, and then obviously he transferred. But I, this is this is this is probably again their start of their rerun of now a potential sustainable run that they're going to have. Now that they're showing that they're legit, winning against really big teams, especially Marquette when they beat them as a seventh seed, and UConn at the start of Big Ten uh, after at the start of Big East play. That's a big big thing for them, and that shows a lot to other players trying to move there because basketball is big. There's a lot of smaller schools that get a lot of good talent and they move on. This is one of those schools that year in and year out has the ability to get good talent and make big runs in, in the tournament. And there's very, there's a lot of fellow counterparts in the big East that have the same sort of kind of rising up. I mean, Villanova almost for almost our whole lives, Villanova is a big time school making big runs, won a national championship, obviously BUNC, which sucked, but now they're kind of in that mid-level range again, kind of building back up. They're kind of going to be able to reach that sustainable point within the coming years. So uh, it's definitely achievable for these teams. Yeah, and Villanova, you know, with Coach Wright leaving and this new coach in the door is finally starting to get his philosophies through to that team. And uh, they took a few steps last season down, um, and, you know, they've taken a couple of blows this year, like this past week that lost to Marquette in a prime spot where Marquette had dropped their previous two. Villanova has a chance to swoop in, and if they win that game, they might be getting some uh, AP votes. Um, but after that loss, that you know, that's another knockdown to them uh, for this season. So it'll be interesting to see uh, around the Big East. But UConn, their number one seed, not the number one seed in the Big East, but the number one seed. And um, if we want to talk about, you know, the best conference in the regular season right now. We want to talk about, you know, who's on fire right now. You know, we cannot mention uh, the Big 12. The Big 12 has eight teams ranked right now. That's eight out of 14 teams in the Big 12. 12 out of those 14 teams are sitting over 500. Um, that's not including conf- – or that's including non-conference play. Um, and, you know, basically – 
conference play is going to show some real colors uh, in this and in this conference. And it's crazy to see that the three seeded Kansas Jayhawks and the five seeded um, Houston, what are they? The Cougars? Yeah. Right? Yep. The Houston yep. Cougars. I mean, Houston is at, at the bottom half of the Big 12 right now. They're sitting at one and two. Uh, Kansas is two and one in conference play. Baylor, it, Baylor and Texas Tech. Also, two ranked teams are the only unbeatens in Big 12 basketball right now. Um, the whole Big 12 has been on fire. Uh, they've been playing, you know, it's it's a very athletic style of basketball they play in the Big 12 where there's wings and Baylor usually has a few guards and Kansas has a few bigs. Um, the Big 12 is primed right now. The additions of Houston, BYU um, ha- have been tremendous for them in terms of basketball, definitely not in football. Um, and Houston, it's funny because we always talk about how fraudulent they are year in and year out. Right now, they're ranked five in the nation, and they're only a few games into conference play. They're sitting at one and two, and I don't expect them to get much better, Stav. I don't think that 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 they're really going to pick up in conference play because it's not an easy conference to play in, and that's what we've been looking for them to do all, all this time. Yeah, I know you're 100% right, and I was actually just about to take that point from you where 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 were they – what was the conference they were in before? The, Mar- the American – yeah, the American. Yep. They they had a cakewalk in conference play, and then they would end up being a top four seed come tournament time, and the or they would be the the top seed mm-hmm. in their uh, region come tournament time, and they would always be in a letdown spot. But something that Houston's always pride prided themselves on is playing elite defense, and they're kind of continuing to do that. It's just we talk about sustainability a lot. They kind of have a gauntlet coming up. You're going. You're facing Texas Tech. You have BYU coming up, another ranked team, and you you have yep. Texas as well. All in the rest of the game. I mean, you have five games remaining in this month. Three of them are against ranked opponents. And if they want to continue to be a powerhouse in the college basketball landscape, it's really up to um, guys like Jamal Sheed on this team, who they set the tone at the guard position, and. Elite guard play is essentially how you win these tough conference games. And you have to shoot the ball well. And this team, they have a 44% uh, field goal percentage. They don't score at at an elite rate as we have seen from some of these other teams in the Big 12. And when it comes to facing Kansas, they have Kansas is the first name that comes to mind when you're talking about Big 12. They have Hunter Dickinson and... uh, What's his name? McCuller, the the guard. Those guys combined are averaging like forty points a game. You don't see that out of someone like Houston. So I don't know. We always put the fraud stamp on Houston, and they're yet to kind of prove us wrong. Now we're gonna, once we enter the thick of conference play, it's their chance to prove us right or prove us wrong, and I don't really see them doing that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's when you're asking for a team to to go through a test, um, especially this season, you're going to want them to be a Big 12 team. And as I mentioned at the very beginning of this, this is the conference where I'm not saying that the national champion is going to come out of this conference, but whoever wins this conference, it's not going to be for no reason. They're, these teams are legit. And there's a few teams that are ranked here that, um, you know, come next week won't be ranked. And there's going to be a lot of cycling throughout. There, there's a lot of teams and I mean, there's a lot of teams in the Big 12 that are sitting over 500 that are playing very good to start off conference play this very young uh, conference season for them. 
and they're not even ranked yet. They, like I said, 12 out of 14 teams over 500, only eight of them ranked. It's going to continue. You said that Houston's seeing three ranked teams this month. That That's going to be the minimum. That's going to be the minimum there throughout for every single team in the Big 12 um, until that conference tournament ha- has come to an end. And um, it's very exciting to see. That's the conference to be watching um, if you're obviously not watching Big East basketball. And then, of course, uh, just to finish off, this is the, all I got for uh, the, the end of this episode is UNC moving up to the four seed in the nation after this new AP poll. They're the only unbeaten team in ACC play, um, only team that hasn't taken a loss in conference. And I kind of want to take a little look uh, into their month um, of January. It looks quite easy. Um, no ranked opponents in sight. Um, they play Louisville uh, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Uh, maybe tonight. Is it tonight? I, I know there's a lot of good games on. At there's, a lot of good games on there's a lot of good games on tonight. No, but, um, they play tomorrow. Or is it tomorrow? Yeah. It was, uh, they play yeah. Louisville tomorrow. Tomorrow. And then, so, I mean, they play Louisville tomorrow. They're playing at BC on Saturday. I will be there. Griffin will be there. Um, and then they play Wake Forest. Uh, these are all teams that will not be ranked. Florida State is the only team this month um, that could give them uh, not a run for their money, but uh, a good game. And they don't see Duke until uh, I think three weeks from now, February 3rd. Um, this team will. It's the deepest team in the nation. RJ Davis is averaging 20 plus points per game. Armando Baycott's averaging a triple do- or a double double a game, not a triple double game. That'd be insane. Um, and there's obviously the transfers that we've talked about this team. Um, and, you know, I just want to see, I guess, real quick check in because not much has changed. We've only played one game since the last time we spoke. Um, where's our headspace at with this team? We still feeling good. We, I mean, we moved up in the AP poll. We're unbeaten in conference play. We got a bit of an easy, easy schedule coming up. But we have Duke nearing our sights. Um, so I got a couple things. Head's great. Love this team. This team is playing some of the best basketball I've seen like them play since. I mean, they I mean it wasn't too long ago when they made the national championship, the final four run, blah, blah, blah. But obviously, Duke, I believe, is the only other ranked team in the ACC. This ACC yeah. has taken quite a big of a hit. And I know we're talking about a lot of different conferences here. Even the Big Ten is not as what they used as what they used to be. There's a lot of conferences and the, the Big 12 is really surprising us this year. And there's a lot of ranked teams there, like we just said. But I feel like we're going to be playing Duke at a lower ranking than what they are right now. I feel like Duke is going to take a little bit of a dive in ACC play. I feel like there's a lot of teams in the ACC that aren't ranked, but they're just really scrappy. Like Louisville is another scrappy team. I feel like that can kind of pull away with some games. And obviously, you said Florida State. Like there's just weird teams in the ACC that are going to win games. It is bound to happen. And it's bound to happen to probably us too. I'm feeling really good. This team is poised to win a national championship. That is my final take. Yeah, and um, I feel like every mention or every episode or every time we mention this team, we talk about um, Cormac Ryan and we talk about Harrison Ingram, um, a guy that thanks, Will, a guy that I uh, wanted to mention uh, was Elliot Cadeau, um, who has taken a few strides uh, in the past few weeks, who is really our only freshman that's getting any burn right now and he was a top three recruit uh coming in from this class um he's a point guard he's a true point guard a pure point guard a facilitator and 
what I've mentioned or what I've uh, noticed in the last couple of games is he's really calmed down in that role and has done a great job facilitating a great job, moving the rock and a great job controlling the offense. Um, he's been doing a good job, you know, um, on the defensive side for what his size brings. He can't really provide too much, but he's been doing all he can. He's an all-time hustle guy, and he knows how to control an offense. He's been doing a hell of a job. Expect him to get a lot more minutes. Expect him to be that freshman because UNC always has that one freshman, and he's usually a guard that goes out there, and he gives you all all he has. And that's what Cano has shown me, especially against Clemson and especially against Syracuse, where they won the big game against Syracuse, but not until they pulled away. And it's really because Elliot Cano had four assists straight back to back to back to back possessions. Um, so very fantastic job from him. Um, and Hubert Davis has been doing his thing ever since he stepped in uh, as that coach. Um, but yeah, that's all I have. Like you said, the ACC hasn't been doing fantastic. The Dukies are the only other ranked team, and we'll never talk about them ever. Not once on this podcast. Um, but Stav, you got anything else? I got nothing else. And we we covered a broad range of subjects today, all yeah. the way from the wild card to college basketball. College basketball is in the swing of things, and nothing's better. The NFL playoffs are alive. We didn't even talk about the NBA or the NHL. That's coming that's up right. pretty soon. We didn't really talk about the new Patriots coach. Shout out to Rod Mayo. They're introducing him tomorrow, Wednesday, January 17th. And uh Shout out to everybody listening. Shout out to Tamar Hamlin for not dying. Shout mm. out to the ladder challenge. Mm. Will, do you have any shout outs? Um, no. Oh, I was going to mute him anyways. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, we will catch you guys next week. Um, yeah, that's about it. Peace.